Hello everyone and welcome to a brand new series presented by Wonderfield Week, the 65 Roses series. Cystic fibrosis, often called 65 Roses by kids who have a hard time pronouncing such a scientific term, is a genetic disease that affects the entire body, primarily the lungs and digestive system. The body produces thick and sticky mucus that can clog the lungs and obstruct the pancreas. Cystic fibrosis, or CF, can be life-threatening, and people with the condition tend to have a shorter than normal lifespan. This is a basic definition of cystic fibrosis, the scientific definition, a definition that fails to even scrape the surface of this illness. CF is so much broader than this simple description. It is complicated textured and many layered. Its effects are hard to measure. CF affects more than just the lungs and digestive system. It affects the entire world of the patient and the world of those who love them. It affects their physical stamina, their mental health, their personal lives, their fertility and family planning, their ability to be spontaneous. CF requires time. It requires routine. It requires a regimen, discipline, organization, and order. It needs to be both tended to and battled against simultaneously. And it is a lifelong commitment. There is no cure for CF. It is considered a progressive terminal illness. But this also doesn't capture the scope of CF. You see, you can't really describe all the ways that CF affects the world of those who live with it. It's just too hard to gauge. CF is different from patient to patient. It's a case-by-case -case situation, and every patient's CF is like a fingerprint unique to them. I have had the pleasure of being welcomed into a family affected by this disease. My husband, Ryan, has cystic fibrosis, as do his cousins, Jeffrey and Matthew. CF has been a part of this family's lives for nearly four decades. I initially set out to interview Ryan for the Life series I launched this spring to learn what life is like with CF. We attempted a few times and every time he felt his interview fell flat. After much reflection, he concluded that perhaps the reason he couldn't fully capture what life is like with CF is because he himself would never be able to speak on behalf of everyone in this family, each of whom has been forever changed by this illness. He felt that because CF was such a part of the family's day-to-day -day life, that it should be a family discussion. And he was spot on. I reached out to members of Ryan's family, the Corys, and members of his extended family, the Higginbothams, and together we created the 65 Roses series, a compilation of conversations between myself and members of each family. I was able to see CF in a new way, I was able to see CF through the eyes of the mothers who bore these sons, the fathers who helped them grow, the siblings who have been there every step of the way, the wives who joined this amazing extended family and learned what life with CF is like as an adult, and of course, the boys themselves, Matt and Rye, straight from their perspective. My only wish is that I would have been able to interview Jeff, but you see, after a lifelong battle, and boy, did he fight. We lost Jeff on the last day of February in 2017. Jeff was all of our hero, a warrior from the day he was born, a three-time double lung transplant survivor, but he is our hero for so much more than that. 
Jeff was a movie buff, an eloquent writer, the most caring teacher, a lover of the simple things in life, Star Wars, Guinness, golf, and the Cowboys, the most hilarious person we've ever met. Jeff was a son, a brother, a cousin, and a friend to all, and of course, his most proud role, an uncle and godfather. You guys would love him, because everyone did. But you'll get to know him. You see, Jeff is sprinkled in all of our stories. He is very much a part of this series. He changed all of our lives, and I'd like to dedicate this series to Jeff, our hero. The 65 Roses series will be five parts. It will be broken down in the following format. Episode one, the moms. Episode two, the dads. Episode three, the siblings. Episode four, the wives. And of course, episode five, the boys. On today's episode, I welcome Ellen Ann Higginbotham and Tony Corey. Enjoy. Nan, welcome to the podcast. Well, well, thank you, Caitlin. Um, I'm so excited to have you on today because if we are doing an episode about CF, we have to begin at the beginning and it always begins with the mama. So I know you have the nearly 40 years of experience with CF, so you are just the perfect person to talk to about this. So before we begin, why don't you give us a little introduction into who you are and then we will get to it. I'm Ellen Ann Higginbotham, and my husband Steve and I have four children, and we will always have four children, um, Katie, Meg, Jeffrey, and Matthew, and um, Jeffrey and Matthew have cystic fibrosis, um, so it's been a journey. Quite the journey indeed, so let's begin at the beginning of the journey. Uh, you were a mom and a teacher, you had Katie and Meg, and then you found yourself having Jeff. Um, and so Jeff, I know was diagnosed with CF close to birth. So before having Jeff, did you know what CF was? No, I did not know. Uh, in fact, the the day of the diagnosis, I remember saying to Dr. Passero, how is it that I've been teaching for all these years and I've never heard of it? Um, so we were kind of stunned. I must say. Jeffrey was 10 pounds, 13 ounces. So when you bring home a monster child like that, you just don't expect things not to be perfect. Um, However, by five weeks, 
he had gone down to seven pounds. So our beautiful pediatrician, Dr. Orson, um, felt it was time for us to go in the hospital. And we had a week of testing, every test known to man. And the very last one um, was the sweat test, where we found out. And now walk me through, you know, you have two otherwise healthy children at home, Katie and Meg. This is your first right. time having a child with an illness. What were those first days like between you and Steve, the thoughts, the conversations? What, how did that look? Um, well, we were in the hospital. Um, we stayed just a couple of days after the diagnosis. Um, but unfortunately, uh, you know, we came home with the various meds. Um, but it was only four or five days after that that Jeffrey developed pneumonia. So we ended up going back in the hospital for a month. So actually, my conversations with Steve at that point were pretty limited um, because I didn't see him that much. And my army of family and my unbelievable friends kind of took over for my two little ones at home. Um, but it was daunting at the beginning, I, I have to say. Um, even I, and I'm probably one of the most optimistic people who's ever been on this earth, I was pretty down in the dumps. Absolutely, uh, rightfully yeah. so. But like you said, you had two small children at home. Were you thinking about how, were you, how you were going to tell them? They were so young, they wouldn't have maybe understood, but did you have to think about how am I gonna explain this to the girls? Why their brother's um, in the hospital? Right, we, we, I, that one I'd have to really think back. Um, in 1983, uh, parents didn't tell their children a lot of things, um, but we clearly had to tell them that um, their little brother uh, had lung issues and couldn't breathe the way that they do, and um, that life would be different, but we'd have a wonderful life. Absolutely, and you did. And I think, you know, it's, you mentioned your friends and I think they are a big part of your story because they are just oh. like your support system. I'm sure that's where you draw strength from. They were there for you because Meg and Katie were so young and they, it's not like they could stay home alone. So I'm sure it was yeah. a lot of balancing between you, Steve, you both had important jobs, but you had a lot of friends and family. I think that was probably a big source of strength for you. Oh, absolutely. It, it takes a village. Um, to raise a child who is, was as sick as Jeff was. Um, uh, so definitely I had hundreds and hundreds of angels always surrounding me. And I think that's such a big blessing in your life because I think, you know, God or the universe or whatever you believe in, you know, knew you were going to have a tough journey with Matt and Jeff um, and CF as part of your life. So you were blessed with the beautiful village of people to help you. Oh, we absolutely were. Now, when Jeff was young, you know, I know he had a very different situation than Ryan. It's like I say everyone with CF is like unique as a fingerprint. Everyone's journey right. is different. Everyone's experiences are different. How did you find strength or, or how did you get through those dark days when you see your son in pain or you see your son in the hospital? I think I've said this to you many times. Both Steve and I were born into loving families. I got to marry my Prince Charming. I had these four beautiful kids, a career to die for. And as I've said, I've surrounded myself with the most unbelievable, unselfish, 
group of friends that have ever walked this planet. So I guess in my darkest moments, that's what I think of. I choose to be happy, but that doesn't mean I'm happy all the time. But I try to focus on what I have, not what I don't have. I think that's a beautiful perspective. And I, I know I always tell you that you're like my CF warrior and your, your hashtag goals of what I want to be like and strength and love and knowledge with CF. And speaking of knowledge, did you jump right into researching? You're a teacher, you know, you're so intelligent, you are an avid reader. Um, so did you just dive right in to learn everything you could about CF or did you just learn on the fly? We learned on the fly. There really wasn't a lot about CF. And of course it was a different age 37 years ago. We didn't have the computers that we do today. And I didn't really have that much time because, um, between the chest PT and all of the medicines and um, life with other children. Um, and then I went back to work. Um, so I definitely learned on the fly. And again, we have been blessed in this journey with the most, the most amazing doctors. So I would always um, kind of talk with them and we I became friends with all of them and all of the medical staff but I would ask questions ask questions and that's something that you've always taught me and I'm sure Sandra too when we're in the hospital and we can't have you there with us you always have taught me the exact questions to ask things to look for right. and I know that I appreciate that so much and I can only imagine when you were our age going through it as a mom you know as opposed to a wife it's scary and it's you're unsure and you just don't really know what questions to ask. So you've really over the last nearly 40 years just really figured out the questions to ask, how to get your answers and how to move forward. And I'm sure that was really daunting. It was daunting because um, some of the young residents um, weren't as, I can't even say nice, but they were short. Um, sometimes, or they wouldn't answer the questions the way I would want. So I would always say to them, especially when the boys were little, um, I want you to look at their face and put your child's face on my child's face and now answer me. If your child is Johnny or Bobby or Timmy, put his face there and tell me how easy it is and give me the answer to um, go forward, but do it with your heart first. I think that's a perfect you know, position to put them in because empathy is key, right? And I think not every right. doctor has the same level of empathy. I know you've been blessed with no. many wonderful doctors who are some of your closest friends and you call them angels. You, right. you appreciate I and do. love them so much. But yeah, I think you know when you put it back on them and, and you call for empathy, I think that was a great tool for advocating for Jeff and Matt. And you've taught me to be right. an advocate for Ryan and to speak up. And I know Sandra and I don't always have the personalities to want to speak up or, or go against the grain. But I think sometimes I think you've taught me, you're one of the nicest people I know. So if you can stand up to the doctors and you can do it in oh. a way, it's not what you're saying, it's how you say it. Um, you know, it I is. think that you've taught me that you have to stand up for them because you have to advocate for them when they're not feeling well, because they may not be able to advocate for themselves. Right. Um, and nice counts, being kind counts. But we want our children to live and our husbands and our boyfriends, uh, whatever the journey 
that you've been given, we want them to live. So you need to have the, the, the information. Information is key. Absolutely. Um, I'm thinking back, you know, Meg was discussing how it was so different back in the 80s, how you could right. share rooms with other kids. Now we know, you know, with time comes advancements, comes more knowledge. They're making such strides and we say great strides and they are making great strides with CF. Um, but I think, you know, what would scare me back then, and I, I can't even imagine as a mom, it was the life expectancy that they put on CF because the life right. expectancy I imagine was even lower back then when Jeff was born. Well, I always remember Dr. Passero, our first uh, cystic fibrosis doctor, when I said to him, her, um, how will I discipline him? How will I uh, um, teach him to live in this world? when our time might be short. And she said, and my mom too, teach them to live to live, not live to die and have goals. For example, if he is with us at Holy Communion, stand up and cheer. And, and actually, I always remember Father Furland, um, when Jeffrey got the Holy Communion, he turned to everyone and just started clapping and the whole church erupted in clapping because we knew it was a monumental moment. So life has been full of those kinds of victories along with the sadness. Absolutely. Um, that's so beautiful because, you know, the milestones do mean so much. And even to having interviews with other people, everyone's saying that CF has taught them that to celebrate the little things, you know, to not you get caught up in the small stuff that everything is special if you make it special. And I think, you know, listening to you, right. I think I know where they learned that from. And that's such Aww. a testament. Well, they are so different. And I guess I never thought of Jeff and Matthew and Ryan as other, other than just the most beautiful boys and then men. You know, I, they were, when they'd all be out playing with Johnny, and Meg and Katie and Mary, they were one. I love that. I, I was saying too to some of the other guests on the podcast that, you know, it's always the seven. It's not just the three boys and then the four others. It's no. not like that. I think one of the greatest gifts is just treating them all the same, normal. Right. And I think that's probably makes them feel so much better, you know, to not be feeling different, to not be feeling alienated or treated differently and I'm sure that was hard because how can you know like you were saying how can you discipline them when you have such a soft spot and your heart breaks for them I'm sure right. that was a, an internal struggle for you and Steve always um and and Jeff was the feistier of the threesome there I have to say so with uh Ryan and Maddie um they were just sweet. Um, Jeffrey had his feisty moments. He was Jeffrey was a combination of of Steve and myself, and as we know, I'm pretty feisty. <laughs> she's little, but she's fierce. That's right. <laughs> so I have a question. When you know you're learning on the fly with Jeff, you have two small daughters at home. You're still teaching. Mm -hmm. It's not like you're you know right. at home able to just do just this. Right. When you had Matt. Did, did you feel a bit more prepared because you were in this world for a few years, the CF yes. world? Okay. Absolutely. Um, because we thought it was a very tiny chance 
but there was a chance that he would have this disease. So, but he's been such a blessing. Um, and I don't know, I, I, there, there might have been a time when we found out he, when he had it that we thought, should we have done this? But he's been such a blessing, my little baby. <laughs> he is the baby. And I can't yeah. picture life without Maddie. And, and I, you know, no. I, that's what I've always wondered. But, you know, at a Christmas party or a family gathering, it's not always the time to delve into, you know, right. your family planning with Steve back then. But I did right. wonder that, you know, like, maybe would you have had more children if you didn't think CF yes. was going to be okay? So you would have oh, yeah. expanded even more. Be, when we, you know, when we got the diagnosis, and we knew right away because we saw the signs. Um, but that's when we decided no more. But yeah, I always wanted six. Yeah, and I just, yeah, I think, you know, it's a battle to, to decide, you know, do I, want, do I want to do this? Is this the right thing to do? And there is no right or wrong way. There's no guidelines. There's no handbook of what to do. So, you know, I admire the strength that you and Steve had. You guys are such a great unit, a great team. I think, um, you know, I always say you guys are my love goals. I love your, I love your relationship. Has your relationship been tested over the past 40 years? I'm sure with all the things yes. ups and downs. Well, because everybody, um, I don't care who you are, when I would come home from the hospital with Jeff um, and later with Maddie, everybody probably wanted it just to be like it was, but I always needed some downtime. I needed to be sad. Just, and so I would put on my Bruce Springsteen dancing in the dark and have a glass of wine and then I'd feel much better. But I had to be sad. You, you do have to grieve. You grieve the loss of what might have been. I think that's so important. And I think that's probably hard for people to do. You probably just want to power through. But like I always say, CF is a marathon, not a sprint. You have to pace right. yourself. I think you have to prioritize self-care if you're going to be a caretaker. So I love that you have tools and coping mechanisms, your friends, music, even just right. taking that time for yourself because you can burn out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you have to learn how to compartmentalize your grief. Um, you have to put it in the spot. And I always, and anger, but I have chosen to put the anger at the bottom of my feet and compartmentalize, you know, and luckily I, I do have the greatest husband who ever lived. Yeah, Steve's the best. He is. He's the best man with the most iconic laugh. <laughs> Oh, yes. But I can imagine that, yeah, there was probably some, you know, dark times and some hard times and strains on your relationship. And I think many right. people say, I think when you have a child with an illness and especially after the loss of a child, it can be either tethering you together forever and that bond becomes stronger or it can just absolutely tear you apart. And I can see people going both ways. You know, it makes sense. You can't fault people for their feelings and how they cope and grieve. And I just always admire you guys being a, a united front. We are a united front because our grieving process and the way that we present ourselves to the world are very different. As we know, I love to talk and I um, tell people the story, but Steve is very private. 
And I so think that's, that's been hard. hard. Yeah, I think that's hard when you're different. I think Ryan and I are similar in that way where I want to talk about it more. And that makes me, that right. brings me comfort, the connection with other people and sort of explaining my experience and Ryan's experience. But Ryan does want to keep that sort of, you know, close to the vest. Right. How, how did that transpire when, you know, you're in the hospital with Jeff or you're talking with your friends? Did Jeff or Matt ever feel like, stop, don't share, you're sharing too much? Or were they pretty accepting of you sharing? Oh, no, they all, <laughs> the both of them always would say, Ma, stop, <laughs> stop talking. And I just go, keep quiet. <laughs> yeah, you're the mom. They have to respect you at the end of the day. That's right. That's right. But yes, I, but that's my way of coping too. Um, I need to tell our story and also to feel comfortable with the people who were taking care of my children. Definitely. I think that's important because they're the people who are making decisions, important decisions that can affect the right. rest of their lives. And I think you have to believe in your team. Um, and I'm so grateful that for your, on your journey, you did meet a, many amazing doctors, you know, Thank respiratory you. therapists, nurses, and you do cultivate those relationships. You are great at, you know, making that human connection. I think it's your personality, but I think it's many years of being a teacher and a mom and having many friends. Right. You know how to you know how to get people in and, and get them on your side and, and connect with them. I think that's a really big gift. It is a gift. And, and certainly with these, this last six or seven months of what is going on in our country, um, I, I do think it's important to share with people and to realize we're all humans, all of us. And we all laugh, we all cry, we're all sad, but we're all equal. So I think I can always find the good in everybody, always. Even when it's hard, you know? Not everyone, it is hard. Not everyone has the same heart as you. I feel like I'm always crushed by that when I find that out, even though I've learned the lesson, but you have to learn it again and again. Not everyone's going to approach life like you do. Um, no, and, and, um, and it's hard. Sometimes I, I feel like I'm Pollyanna, and maybe Pollyanna should just go away, but... It works for me and my true grief, I still keep to myself. And to, Steve and I talk about it, of course. But I would say my true sadness and grief is only shared by Steve. Yeah, I agree because I know even being, and I hate to use this word, at Jeff's funeral, um, you were such a source of strength for all of us. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, how does this woman do this? Like, it's her son, her baby. She held him in her arms, you know, and was with him and held his hand his whole life. And she's giving me strength. Like, I don't know how you do that, but it's good to know that behind closed doors, you can release it with Steve. Oh, definitely. Um, and on that last day, uh, he was so private and so dignified and always wanted to be like everyone else. So it was my duty to act like that. And you take that mom role strong. very seriously. And, and you know, you're a mom every day of your oh, life, definitely. even when they're grown, you're still their mom. And I know, right. I think I can speak for all of your kids to say that you are their beacon, you are their strength when they are weak. So I'm so glad that God blessed you with that strength so that you can share it with all of us because I don't know where I would be too without being able to ask you questions and, and share this with you. Um, you and, Tony and again, I, I do think it's Steve and I as the team always together, always 
um, intertwined. I can't imagine ever being not that team. Yeah, I think that's important. Well, knowing all you know now over the past nearly 40 years, you know, I think you probably know more about CF than some CF doctors because you've lived it. Yeah. You've walked the walk. Right. What advice would you give to parents who may be just getting this diagnosis for their child who don't know what they're doing? And it brings you right back to, you know, nearly 40 years ago being that new mom. What advice would you give them? Um, well, first of all, no one ever knows what they're doing initially. It's sort of like we always used to say your first child is an experiment um, and then you get so good at it. Um, but it, it's a lot of work, ask a lot of questions and please, please teach them to live, to reach for the stars, no matter how many times you get knocked down, live, 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 experience. Um, and don't be afraid to ask questions and ask for help. My mother, I remember a long, maybe the very first week, um, I said, how am I going to do this? And she said, you're going to ask people for help, be a sponge and take in all of the love and the kindness. And then when it's their turn, take that sponge and wring it out and give back to the people who gave to you. So you do have to learn how to accept kindness with dignity and then make sure that you give that kindness back. And I think that's beautiful advice that you got. And I know that you live it because you've told me in the past that you remember every kind thing that anyone's ever done for you and your family. Oh, absolutely. It, I can remember every single person and every act um, always. Even if I get mad at that person later, <laughs> I'll always just say, you know what? They were so kind and you know, maybe I did something to make them mad. <laughs> it's hard to do the introspection sometimes, but I think that's so nice that yeah. no matter what transpires between any relationship in your life, that you know that that person was kind to you and you don't forget that because a lot of times no, people may forget never. about that and focus on the negative. But you've also told me in the past that you've chosen at a very early age to be a happy person and you've really I lived have. that and, and lived up right. to that um, expectation of yourself. But I think we've discussed too, the quarantine is really maybe pushing you to your brink because, you know, as much as you grieve and you think about Jeff, you talk about Jeff, you talk about CF, I think when you really have, the world stops, you can't be busy and you have to sit down with your thoughts and with the life experiences, it can be overwhelming, I imagine. Oh, this um, last six months, um, for me and the world has been just awful because I'm always sad, but in the hospital and in this last 37 year journey, I never felt isolated or lonely. Um, this has been debilitating um, for all of us, I feel. Yeah, because you know, even when you were in Cleveland for so long with Jeff, and technically I guess you were alone, you know, being the support system, you were still able to talk to nurses, to doctors, to go have a drink or dinner and, and make friends. Right. You make friends everywhere you go. Yeah, So I did. I never felt alone. I, I would, it didn't matter anybody along that journey, be it the, the little boy behind the counter giving me a Subway sandwich or um, getting a Starbucks uh, 
trap or whatever they call them. Um, people will always seem to know, and those Midwesterners anyway, they're just so good. Um, I never felt alone, but this has been very hard, very isolating, I feel. And you do, it gives you too much time to think about your life. And that can be overwhelming, you know, because grief is not linear. I always say that there's no timeline of grief. You could go three steps forward and 20 million steps back. Like it could just be different by the day. And I'm sure, you know, to really sit with your thoughts can be very overwhelming. But I'm glad that you do have the support system of Steve, your children, your grandchildren. I'm sure they bring you so much joy. They do. Yeah. Well, uh, and... Certainly your mom and dad would say the same. When you're Irish, you always know the world is going to break your heart, but you spend the rest of your life mending it. Oh, you always have the best quotes. This is why one of the (laughs) millions of reasons I love you. Oh, I love you. Well, we know that um, CF has made so many advancements, so many new medications, therapies. I know the teams now. I see so much effort going into, you know, what can we do? Let's, Let's amp it up. Let's push them to the limit and really challenge them. Um, so I, I feel really hopeful for the future. What is your hope for Matt and Ryan, you know, in their CF journey as we continue on? Um, that um, I'm hoping that gene therapy and um, they talk about replicating um, organs through your own DNA, having medicines that would replicate what they're missing. Um, I think science is the key so that they will live to 100. Um, But science is king. Faith and science together. That's what we need. Yeah, the perfect balance. And you're right. You know, that's all you can ever hope for your children is 100 years and and to live as happy and healthy as they can. And I know Ryan looks to you like a second mom. So, you know, know, I know you have another son out here too in California, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do. Um, what message would you like to leave to our three boys, the three boys who changed the world in this family forever? I thought about this and I, 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 I like what I came up with, I have to say. On that last day, and I had said it to him before, I had a private moment and I whispered to Jeff, it has been an honor to be your mother. So to Ryan and my beautiful baby boy, Maddie, I would say it has been an honor to be your godmother and your mother. You've turned into amazing men and you have two beautiful, selfless women in Sandra and Caitlin. Make the journey as our journey has been, nothing but bathed with love. There's a joke, yes, the wine, it's on me. I shake this world off my shoulders. Come baby, the laugh's on me. Stay in the streets at this time. And you'll be carving you up all right. You say you gotta stay hungry. Hey, baby, I'm just a fast on the night. I'm dying for some action. I'm sick of sitting around here trying to write this book. I need a look. We can't start a fire Sitting around trying to 
Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Caitlin. Um, it's such an honor to have you on um, because, of course, you can teach us so much about CF and what your journey was like because you are a mom of a son with CF. So why don't you give us a little introduction to yourself and we will dive in. Sure. I'm Tony Corey and I work as a, a department chair for counseling at a high school, 9 through 12, and I'm a mother of a son with cystic fibrosis yes and that son happens to be my husband (laughs) so I'm very grateful to have my mother-in-law on with me today Um, of course over the past 13 years we've had many conversations about CF um, and specifically Ryan's case of CF Um, but there are some things that I've always wondered about your journey that maybe it's not the right time to bring up at a Christmas party or on a short vacation, so I figured this would be the best time to sit down, have a little face-to-face on Zoom, <laughs> um, a little face-to-face, and discuss um, some of these things that I've always wondered about. And I think it's important that you share your perspective of the journey because, of course, it's such a big part of your life, being a mom of a, of a CF patient. Um, and so I'm just wondering a little bit about that journey. So let's just dive in if you're ready. Sure. Okay. And I, well, I want to thank my daughter-in-law, Caitlin, for taking good care of my son. Aww. Because as my husband says, she's an angel from heaven. So I, I have to start the podcast in that, in that way because Ryan is doing phenomenal and Um, a testament to him and and you taking care of him. Thank you so much. I learned from the best. (laughs) Well, we're just grateful that you're part of our family. So shall I start when that September, that Labor Day, when my beautiful son was born? (laughs) I mean, it's so appropriate that he was born on Labor Day and he put you into labor. Let's dive in. So tell me all about it. Um, You had a son at home, Johnny, and now you're going in to have Ryan and just sort of walk us through how that unfolded. Yeah, so I went in, and and at that point, and at that time in our lives, we bought our second home. And that particular day, uh, we I wasn't feeling that well, and uh, I started having labor pains. Now, this was a little something I wasn't used to because my first pregnancy, I had you had to be induced. Ryan was the only normal one I had where I wasn't had to be a new. So immediately went to the hospital, got there right in the nick of time because I had him an hour later. Wow. <laughs> and it was the, his, his pregnancy. I mean, my, his delivery was very smooth and kind of pain free. So it was, it was a beautiful, it was, it was very fast. And um, I know I got to hold him. I got to enjoy him for, for a little bit. Um, unfortunately, soon after that, he, at the time, Mary Hitchcock and Ryan obviously remember Dartmouth because he used to go there for his treatment was old and they're in the midst of, well, they hadn't started rebuilding that, but it was an old, old hospital. So you were in a room with about five other women. And so, yeah, it was interesting, five other women. So I was in there and they brought Ryan in and he wasn't eating. So, okay. So the second day came, he wasn't eating. So I was by myself at that point when they came in and said, um, I have to tell you, your son, we need to bring him to the intensive care. Mm. We think he might have a blockage. And then they got into the family history. 
do you have any other, you know, just tell us a little bit about your family history. And I said, oh, we have a nephew with cystic fibrosis. And I said, oh, okay, so we're going to check out some other things. Because back then, they don't test, they didn't test for CF like they do now. So right. now they test you. So at that point, they, they took Ryan away and they immediately brought him to intensive care. And I just remember sitting there and this lady next to me came over and said, oh, I overheard the nurse saying that you, your son had to go down. And she said, I knew there was something wrong with him because he wasn't eating. And I was just thinking to myself, oh, so she was trying to be helpful, but it really, I was like, okay. So at that point, they brought him down to intensive care and they had to surgically remove this blockage, which is common for kids, with, for babies to get this, it's a called meconium blockage. So they did remove it. So Jack and I went down and uh, so at that point they removed it. They didn't have to do any surgery. So which can be common with that taking part of the intestine. So they were able to remove it. He was in intensive care for a couple of days. So I mm. stayed in the hospital when we soon found out he had CF, I was angry about not the CF, but not being able to hold him and not be able to share that moment in your life where you, where you take your newborn baby and you hold him. Mm-hmm. So at that point, um, they did they did do the meconian and then, and then I remember them saying after a couple of days when they were able to, when Ryan was able to digest his food and be out of intensive care, they, they said um, they gave him a sweat test. So I went home that night because uh, my other son was there and we had to wait for Jack's mother to come. So she came and then um, the doctor said, you need to come back the next day. We need to meet with you. So that's when they told us he had cystic fibrosis. Mm. And the doctor was, he was phenomenal. Dr. Boyle it was a phenomenal doctor. I learned a lot from him. And then Jack and I said, okay. We just sat there and just said, okay. We just, all right, now we have to go home and share this news with Jack's mother and other people. So it wasn't for me, it was a loss of not holding Ryan. It was yeah. a loss of not having that bond, not that having connection, that connection, like, the skin to skin yeah. and that, that yes. moment. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So it was, um, it was traumatic to say the least. It was, it was hard for Jack and I too. And to this day, and I think I've shared this with you and Ryan, every because that day, we, I didn't leave with Ryan that day. I had to come back and get him the following night, uh, following day. We went to Hanover and we got these mums and it always reminds me of Ryan. It's like, I have to get these mums and every year when around Labor Day, Jack mm-hmm. and I get mums and I always think of Ryan. You yeah. know, it's just, I love it's that tradition. Those, it's one of those moments, yeah. Yeah, it's so beautiful. I love that tradition. And see, I wasn't entirely sure why you got the mums every year, but now sort of like diving in and seeing your side of things because, you know, selfishly we look at things through our own lens and our own perspective because that's all we can base things on. So I try to ask Ryan questions, but of course he's a new baby. He doesn't, you know, doesn't know any better. So I, I tried to ask him, like, what was your mom thinking? And he's like, I don't really know. And I'm like, well, that's why, you know, we have to do an episode like this to dive in because you're a new mom. You had a small child at home already, Johnny only being about less than three years old. And I mean, that's a lot on your plate for a new mom and to not have that skin to skin, that connection, that nursing, you know, those moments that new moms treasure. I mean, that is traumatic to say the least. So I just admire your ability to even back then, because it wasn't like a tradition starting the next year. You did it right away. You got the moms and you sort of turned it around already. Like, I'm going to make the most of this. It's like a symbol of what was to come. And 
and the journey you were going to go on now because your life was forever changed. Absolutely, it was. And um, it's just, yeah, that particular day, it was just Jack and I were like, you know, you know, most people could sit there and say, why me, why me? But Jack and I took it with, why not? We can handle this. Instead of like saying, why? It's why not? Oh, we're, 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 we can do this. We can do this. And, um, and we just, and that's the way we kind of handled it because it's so easy for somebody to sit back and feel sorry for themselves. Yeah. Sit back and, and wallow, but it's not, that's not the message I wanted to give Ryan or the message I wanted to give my other child. Right. Other people around. So. I mean, that's yeah. beautiful. And I think, you know, it's human nature to, to think this is so unfair and why me? And I think everyone's guilty of that, you know, at one right. time or another. But I'm sure like being a mom, you were thinking, I can't do this. Like, I have to be strong now. It's not about me. It's about yes. Ryan. It's about my other children. Um, and so I just admire your ability to like, just pull yourself out of that because I'd like to think I would do the same, but you just really don't know until your feet are to the fire and when you're in that situation. Um, So when you were in the hospital and Ryan was down in the intensive care and you were were alone, what what was going through your mind? Like, what was the emotion? It was was very emotional because I was by myself. At that time, my mother mother didn't come up. I was just, it was, it was, I have to say that was a really, really tough time for me to have to go into the intensive care unit and see your son lying on, uh, I, I think Ryan has expressed this too, like he was lying on this like little fur. Uh, Ryan like calls fur it the cut. lamb's blanket. That's what Ryan calls it. He <laughs> yeah, said, that's a good, it, is, it was a lamb's blanket. And he was laying there and I, and I wanted to, and the nurses there were so wonderful. They were like, it's okay, you can touch, you can hold him. Mm. And I was afraid I was gonna hurt him because oh. at that time he had fire, he was like, you know, he had a, is um they're feeding him intravenous it's just all of this and and in my head i'm thinking to myself oh my god i wish i could hold him i can't even hold i just i i that i kept thinking that in my mind like i i want to hold him and i didn't i i I could have but i was just afraid i was afraid of of well you were going through a lot I think it's you know it makes sense probably to a lot of people that you just didn't know what to do and you didn't probably want to do anything wrong or make it worse in some way even though you wouldn't have but that fear of like he's so tender and precious and you don't want to do anything like to mess it up I can see that Um, so what were some of those first conversations like with Jack like you figured, you know, okay, this is a forever thing. You know, CF does not have a cure. It's it's going to be a lifelong journey for Ryan and for you. And so what were sort of those conversations you had in those early days? Yeah, the conversations we had is we always wanted to treat him normal. That was our mantra. That was our plan all along that we didn't want cystic fibrosis to define Ryan. I've probably expressed that to you or Ryan at some point. And that it was something, um, I, I, I also wanted to keep, and Jack and I also wanted to keep the, the notion of not a lot of people knowing he had CF because it's a confidential thing. I mean, maybe, you know, little, when he was little, okay. When he was little, yes, you had to tell, if he was going to somebody's house, you had to say, you know, my son takes his medication and because of this, you know, because of this reason. So, and you know what, when you said that, I was just remember this, now I'm thinking back, when I said that to someone, they would be like, they, they respond by going, 
oh, that's really sad. I go, well, no, that's not really sad. I mean, it's just, he has cystic fibrosis and, you know, he needs his medication. Yeah. But Jack and I always had a united front, always agreed. We always had a plan. We always wanted to treat Ryan normal. Of course, it was hard sometimes because you wanted to, you know, but it that was what we worked toward because I didn't want anyone feeling sorry for him. Right. I wanted him to establish his own identity. Like he never questioned the difference, like I'm different, that sort of thing. He just knew he took his medication Yeah. every day. You no, know, it's very interesting because when, initially when I set out to do an episode about CF, I of course was going to just interview Ryan and like what is life like for, C, yeah. you know, for a CF patient. But it's so funny because a lot of the things that you and Jack set out to do, I see that they worked fully in Ryan because... I would ask him questions like, when did your parents explain to you what CF was? And, and when did you know? And he's like, I don't know. Like, I don't, it's not, wasn't like a big sit down and like a big, we have to talk. He's like, CF's just always been a part of my life. And you know, it is what it is. And my day looks like this and it's different than other people. But like, he's like, no, my parents never sat me down like some big conversation. Um, and so to hear you say yeah. that that was, you know, by design and, you know, an intentioned idea from you and Jack I just want to let you know that it definitely um, worked because Ryan definitely doesn't use CF as an identifying feature there's so much more to him and so it seems like that was always the intention early on to not you know to make it like typical like just like Johnny just like Mary um, these are the rules and no matter which kid you are this is the rules you have to follow and this is what we're doing and I think that was a great um, idea and I think that it really molded and shaped Ryan into the person he is now because he doesn't lead really with CF. Um, even, you know, some of his friends didn't know for a long time. Um, I didn't know for a long time. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just like not the first thing that Ryan leads with. And I think, you know, that's probably from your influence, which I think is beautiful. And you and, and thinking back, you know, and I thought I was like, I had this conversation with Jack and I was like, I had to really think about that, Caitlin. Did we ever tell Ryan he had CF? And I never told him he had CF. And I'm thinking in my mind, was that good or was that bad? Good in some, I mean, is it good to sit your child down and say you have a terminal illness? This is what might happen. This is what, what could happen. And I guess, I don't know what would have, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. And I think what happened with Ryan is as he got older, then, you know, when he went to clinic, then it became, I don't want to say real, then it became like, oh, this is cystic fibro. It became more of a being. It became more of a thing. Like, right. this is what I have to. So I think that's how it might have kind of uh, fed itself along the way without have actually telling him what it was. Right. So. And I think, too, you know, Ryan, Brian explains it this way, that he was actually kind of like, quote, unquote, spoiled with CF because you know, he wasn't hospitalized a ton as a kid and it wasn't, he said it didn't really, you know, affect his life until really until basketball, until that was sort of taken away. I know that's like for him sort of the turning point. So, you know, anyone in the CF community knows that you don't really feel it for the first 17 years. That's actually like very, very lucky, very blessed. Absolutely. Um, because Absolutely. that could we know even within our own family that that could be very different and that it's a case by case basis, that it's going to be exactly. unique to each CF patient. So it's Ryan says like he describes it as like, you know, for the first 12 years of life being like an idyll- idyllic childhood. And so I know that's not the case for everyone. So he's very lucky in that way. 
Um, right. So it's kind of nice you didn't have to introduce because he wasn't being, you know, hospitalized or, or you know, you could sort of raise him the same as Johnny because it wasn't super affecting his day-to-day life. Right, and it could have been different. As you know, with cystic fibrosis, there's different levels of, you know, how they're treated and such. With Ryan, it was different. But, I, you know, with Ryan, I just, I just think about this because um, I did – I worked – when Ryan was at the middle school, I was there for a short period of time. And then he went to the high school. Then I was the counselor at the high school, and Ryan goes, Mom, you're following me. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I remember this. I don't know if I've shared this with you because I always try to keep the CF separate. And if he wanted to share it with his friends, he could do that because it wasn't mine to, well, as a parent, I certainly could share that, but I felt like it's, he, it's his disease kind of a thing. And yeah. he had to kind of show. But I remember one student saying to me, Ryan was in the hospital for a reason. And I said, she said, oh, Mrs. Corey, she goes, how's Ryan? I mean, he's, you know, is he okay? I know I heard he was in the hospital. I said, yeah, you know, he's got pneumonia. And she said to me, wow, that's, he's been in the hospital for a long time with pneumonia, <laughs> you know, because I was like, okay, well, that, I didn't really want to, sh- it was funny. The right. kids were funny. I mean, Ryan, they were so good with Ryan. And I remember Jack brought up a story last night about his friend Keegan. Oh, okay. And remember that, I think you might've shared this when they were really little, they used to be like, oh, here's your food, Keegan. And he'd be like, no, I can't. I'm going to eat after Ryan takes his medication. Oh, so, so they sweet. were so cute. <laughs> they would sit there and go, no, we're not going to eat until he takes his medication. Oh that my was, gosh, that's yeah. so cute. Yeah, no, you that's know, kids are kids are so resilient and kids are so are kind. They? Yeah, and it's one of those things where like, yeah, he was blessed, you know, to have... If you if you introduce things to kids early on, I feel like in my experience, they'll just accept pretty much, you know, whatever you say. And they're just, yeah. they just sort of roll with it. And that's what I love I about kids so much. They're so innocent. <laughs> like, that's really sweet that he's always had that support system. Oh, yeah. The kids loved him. He was, they loved him. They, he was great. Yeah. Little. So what has raising a son with a chronic illness taught you about life, about <sighs> yourself? Ryan, I have to tell you, uh, patience, resilience, you know, never giving up. The, you know, Ryan comes into, I know, Jack's mind so many times when you're doing something and you're thinking in your mind about complaining about something. Like, just even like if you're going for a run or working out and you always reflect on, you know, Ryan and, and what it's like for him. Because I know what it's like for me as a parent. Ryan, to have an actual disease, is his feeling is totally different than what I'm feeling as a parent. And... Ryan has, yeah, Ryan is just, he's an amazing, amazing young man. He just, he doesn't, I know Ryan doesn't think that or doesn't think he's worthy, but he is, his siblings love him, his cousins love him, mm-hmm. his aunts, his parents, you and your mother, God knows, yes. your parents, <laughs> and Brian and John. And everybody. Everybody does, because Ryan, and, and Ryan is a thinker, Ryan takes things in. And that's what I really admire about him. He just soaks it in and he has so much introspective to offer to, to, to people mm-hmm. that I, and I hope he, he comes to, you know, understand that or hope he realizes the impact he has, it, you know, you don't have to be loud, right. you don't have to be funny and because you can offer. So Ryan has just been, he's you know, having a child with a, you know, I don't even like to word, use the word terminal illness, you know, no cure. And I think if that was the biggest impact, I think growing up, that was it, no cure, no cure, no cure. But 
having Ryan, what, how many years ago? 34 years ago. Mm-hmm. He'll be 35, 34 years ago. Things have changed. There's totally. just, there's so much. I mean, look at the medication he's on. It's just, it's an amazing. So he's just, he's taught us. I wish I could be more like that. I wish I could be more like Oh, him. yeah. I say that I all do. the time, too. And, you know, I you've do. obviously known Ryan his whole life, and you've got to see him grow into the man that he is. I met him, you know, pretty much in early, early adulthood in college. And even in just the past 13 years, he's taught me so much. Um, everything you're saying is just really resonating with me. He's a deep thinker. He's not a complainer. He doesn't sweat the small stuff. I am the opposite, and I try so hard to learn from his example (laughs) because he just has a different outlook on life. And I'm sure, you know, as anyone would who has a chronic illness, um, and, you know, because he's had to face a lot of things Mostly, mostly recently, you know, because like you said, he wasn't hospitalized a ton as a child. But, he, you know, in the last five years, I would say he's faced a lot of personal things um, with right. his health, exactly. with the family, with loss. Um, and so I really just admire so many things about him. And he just has this quiet strength that I really love and I feel safe with. Um, and I think that you're right. He does have a lot to offer the world and you don't have to be the loudest person in the room. Although sometimes he is the loudest person at my house, but no one (laughs) believes me. (laughs) And you say, you say that you don't have to be the funniest, but he is actually really funny. (laughs) Actually, he is funny. He comes up with some, those, those one, you know, he, he makes, yeah, he makes us, he does. The thing with Ryan is if you ever want to laugh, you just got to stand really close to him in a group and he'll be saying some funny things under his breath. (laughs) I know. That's one of my favorite things about him. Oh God. He's just, yeah, he's just, he's phenomenal. He was so, everyone loves him. He was growing up. I know we left Woodstock. That was very difficult for him. One of my friends there said he, when he left, everyone was so sad in his Aww. class. All the girls oh. had crushes on him. Oh, all the girls they better had back off. And they were like, oh, Ryan's bleeding. They Aww. just loved him. I mean, everywhere everywhere he goes, yeah. he, he's, he makes an impression on everyone. Definitely. Just because of his... It's quite reserved, but yeah, you're right. He is. He does have funny. He's funny. He's quite funny. Yeah, he's um, very funny. <laughs> you know, over the past almost 35 years, you know, Jack, you and Jack are in this together. You're, you're a united front. You're still very much happily married. Um, like, were there ever any, like, bumps in the road where you guys ever feel overwhelmed? Or was it always just, like, like you said, a united front? Was that pretty much always the case, no matter the ups and downs, the moving, the changes? Yeah. The moving part, that yes, I have to say, moving from Woodstock to Barrington, if Jack and I had to do that over again, I'm not sure if we'd do that. Oh, okay. Because I really had a substantial impact on Ryan's, had a very difficult time. Um, and we often say, you know, when he was having a difficult time, I wish someone had said, you know, get him a dog, do this. I mean, he did go through some counseling because he lost... We, we left our house in Woodstock. We had a dog and it's a loss and, yeah. you know, coming here. Yeah, not only had to deal with the new school, it had to deal with, not, you know, you have cystic fibrosis. How am I going to, like, deal with other people? Like, yeah. people up there knew, knew who I was and I took this medication. So that's one, if we had to do that again, I don't know if I would do that because I feel like that really wasn't, I, I just feel, I don't know, Jack and I, st- I just still feel really bad about that. Yeah. That's, that's one. 
Well, don't be hard on yourself too, because Tony, no. you have to remember there's no uh, handbook for being a mom. Certainly no handbook for being a mom of a child with a chronic illness. And I think you did a phenomenal job with the best you could. No, thank you. Flying yeah. on the seat of your pants, you know, I mean. I know, but it was tough. I just felt bad for Rye. Yeah. But, you know, really that did. move, you know, although it was at a difficult age, I think, you know, 12 years old is hard. But I think, you know, he was moving to a place where he did have more family, where he did have his cousins who have CF. And I think that was like a new community for him. Of course, they were always close in his childhood, but yeah. to have that like sort of unit. That's um, true, yeah. Yeah, yeah so he got, to, he got to sort of like develop those relationships even deeper. And I know right. that those relationships have carried him into his adulthood and probably been some of the most impactful relationships in his life. So... It's, I'm sure you look back on that time as like a difficult time, but what can we do? That's, you know, know. hindsight is twenty no. twenty. No, that's, those are good points. Yeah. I think, you know, initially, I just think it, it's because I wanted him to be happier. Yeah. I wanted him to be in a better place. And, 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 I, and then you just asked me about, um, Jack and I always had a united front and I think we attested to the doctor when we were first told he had CF, he did say anyone you know, with any kind, has a child with any kind of illness, it can either destroy a marriage or keep it together. And he also said, whatever you decide to do, keep the keep your routine as normal as possible. Do what you'd oh, like, keep it normal. Okay. And he was phenomenal, Dr. Boyle. He was just a great, great doctor. So anyway, so that was an impression. But I'm trying to think of any other time. Oh, I know another one is, you know, being out in L.A., I love you guys are out there and it's wonderful and I can't wait to revisit again. I know. But the hardest part for us, I think, is when Ryan's in the hospital. Mm -hmm. He has to be in the hospital in California. But I know you're there with him and you keep us posted. That's probably been the most difficult part because I can't see him right. when he's like that. Or I shouldn't even be beyond when he's sick. I can't see him, period. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't I can't see him. Because I know it's like so hard. I can't, but that's that's just that's a normal feeling for anyone. Yeah, I mean, that's anyone would go through that. But I know I, I can't that. imagine as a mom, you know, because I do try to do my best to keep you guys posted, like every oh step God, of the way. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't imagine, you know, as a mom, where you, I'm thinking back now, you're you know describing Ryan and the NICU on the lamb's blanket, and so you knew him way back then. So of course you're so protective of him, and you're going to be so wanting to be that source of comfort for him because you always have been and so I can't imagine as a mom I'm sure that's like an impossible feeling not only is he in the hospital you still look at him like that little baby in some ways yes and yeah, then exactly. you're so far away and so um I guess thank god for technology I know every single time he goes in the hospital I feel like you're always on the next flight out when he's home <laughs> spoiling us no. and taking care of us and nursing well, us both that, back I know and then Ryan's always like when I talk mom you don't need I'm fine I'm fine you know how he is I'm fine yeah. I'm fine okay Ryan just you know I just can't. no I always say to Ryan you can't take that feeling away from me Ryan right. I just say this when I, I said because I'm your mother mm -hmm. and that's a normal feeling I want to be there with you yeah, when you're in a situation like this. he goes yeah I know but I'm fine I'm fine so I always say that to him I go no it's just my normal feeling yeah and what he so, doesn't understand yeah. is that's very typical and any mom would feel that way but you know one thing about, it's almost like you raised him to be too independent and he's too, know. you know, he's I too know. headstrong. Um, he thinks he can handle it all on his own. But I think we both know deep down Ryan is sensitive 
And I think, you know, as much as he may fight us sometimes, I think he fights probably you and I the most um, about the emotional side and trying to get things out of him or trying to shower him in that affection. Although he fights it, I think, you know, deep down, I think he really loves it and appreciates us doing that. So I'm not stopping. I know you're not stopping. Me too. No, no, not stopping. Not going to make me stop. (laughs) No, nothing. Um, Yeah, nothing he could do could ever make us stop. So he needs to stop being, you know, resistant to it. Um, But I guess I just want to finish up by, you know, asking if there's a message you want to leave to the three boys, because we do have three boys in this family with CF. Um, I'm just asking everyone to just sort of, what message would you like to leave with them? Well, I thought about this, Caitlin, and I have, I have a quote that, now you've heard me talk about my mother-in-law, you, you know, how much I love Ryan's yes. grandmother and did, you know, everyone in the family, I just loved her to death. And I, I wish she was alive for you to meet her and my other, um, like Jen to meet her and everyone. But yeah. she had this quote that she used to say to Jack, and I know the boys would love this because they adored the grandmother and this quote is a good one it's um this is by margaret corey so the grandmother my mother-in-law and she was always um her her mantra was um okay stick to the fight when your heart is hit it's when things get worse you must not quit so that was her i love that and I have another one that the boys would like, too, because this is John Wooden, the, UC, the famous UCLA coach. Oh, okay. I know Ryan and Maddie, but okay, this is a good another go. Never let the thing you cannot do prevent you from doing the things you can do. It's oh, by Coach John Wooden. I love that. That's and, so beautiful. Uh, yeah, the boys, I love my nephews, and, um, yeah, unfortunately, you know, when we had, well, when we had Ryan, uh, the weirdest, strangest part of this whole thing is that I have a sister-in-law who had two kids with CF and mm-hmm. then had Ryan with CF. So it's just, a, it's, it's rounded our life. But yeah. And I think not, that's... It's not a bad thing, for no, sure. No, definitely not. No, and I think um, as crazy as it is when I describe it to people that we have three in the family, um, yeah. it's almost like I say to Ryan... As sick as it sounds, like I'm just so glad you guys have each other. Like I know it's—I uh, exactly. wish no one had it, but it's like I'm also glad that Ryan's not alone in this journey because you know, the two moms and, and dads and everyone is like pours everything into all the kids, not just the ones with CF. There's seven, and the seven is such a unit, but the three is like that little club that Ryan describes. And I just think you know I'm glad they have one another, and oh, I've I learned so much being in this family from watching all of you. And it's really taught me that, you know, family is so important and, you know, thank God we have each other to lean on because some days you might be strong and I'll be weak, but then when I'm, you know, vice versa, we can help each other. And, and I just can't thank you enough for welcoming me into this family. Oh, Caitlin, we love you. You're you're spectacular. I mean, Ryan is just, it's just, yeah. I mean, you've been wonderful to Ryan and just, I feel as far away you got that you and Ryan are, I feel like he's in good hands. He's taking care of himself. You're taking good care of him. You're making sure, um, and he's and he's doing what he can. And Ryan has that determination, that fortitude, that nothing is going to get him. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like I thought about this. It's almost like cystic fibrosis is a challenge to him. Like he's going to be, beat it. Like it's almost like this, this you know, this phenomenal beasty thing that yeah. he's going to. He challenges him. It cha- he challenges it by his working out and his eating and. 
Yeah. You know, it's not going to get me and it's... That's such a beautiful way to describe it because, you know, every day is a fight and they're up and they're doing what they can every day. And Ryan's so always trying to find, you're right, like that edge of what can maybe push him, push his lung function a little up or what can, you know, push him a little bit further. And, you know, that's a testament to the way that you and Jack raised him, you know, to be resilient, to not quit, that you're not going to be coddled or baby. You still have to get up and go do it. And, he, you know, he's doing that. And I like to think that I just, you know, that you pass me the baton and that I'm going to now be yes. that support system for him. But, of course, we all are. And we're all still very much a unit no matter how far away we all are distance-wise. I know that in this family, the extended family and the nuclear family, it's we're always going to be there. And it's always going to be that support. And that's something that's so beautiful. And I know that I'm really close to my family. And so I'm so... I feel so blessed that I married into a family that has the same values. Um, yes. No, I thank you for the opportunity for me because just asking those questions, I never really had the opportunity to even like share those yeah. kind of things. Yeah. When you're like becoming your thirties, I feel, and you're thinking about like, if you want to expand your family, I was thinking like, you know, you and Ellen Ann were back there at that age, like being moms and, and the, how would I feel if I found out like a few days or a week after my child was born that they had this lifelong illness. And I just admire you both so much. And, and you both had very different situations and journeys. Um, right. But you have that, you know, no matter how different it may be, you guys are like united in the same fight against CF. Oh, exactly. And, exactly. And the one good thing that I'm glad that you never, you know, um, gave up on or, or became hopeless or went to that dark side where it's probably so easy to go I'm glad that you didn't ever give up because there have been such advancements in the past, even the past few years. But of course, since Ryan was a child, it's so different now. And we don't know what the future will hold. And maybe one day we won't call it a terminal or chronic illness. We'll call it a disease that has a cure. And, you know, that Ryan was fighting it up until the cure came. So I'm still, I still hold out hope for that because of the advancements that have been made. I have faith. Absolutely. I do too. I, 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 it's, it's calm. I mean, just look at the medication Ryan's taken. And Absolutely. Much, and he's doing phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of hope. Yeah. That's all we can have is hope. 